favorite comfort food? Pasta. Spaghetti. Specifically. Spaghetti with butter and pine nuts. Chocolate. Chocolate? Comfort food? Really? Yeah. Huh. I've been eating a lot of chocolate since I, I got here. I should I be worried? Yes. I should be worried? Very worried. So as kids, we're given food to soothe us, to reward us, and to celebrate happy occasions. So it makes sense that as we get older and control our own food intake, we might start to use food as a crutch or even as a drug. I definitely do. I'll get high on some food. I'll get low on some food. It's emotional eating, the perfect mix of self-soothing and self-sabotage. And food, unlike many other drugs, is legal and easy to get your hands on. So in this episode, I'm going to talk a bit about how family dynamics have contributed to this habit, the hows and whys of emotional eating. Hint, there's pasta, a lot of pasta. And of course, how we can work to get it under control. If you think McDonald's french fries are a stronger, more satisfying drug than cocaine, keep listening. talk about emotional eating. Have you heard of it? I have lived my my life as far back as I can remember emotionally eating. And I was just home hanging out with my parents and actually recording some interviews with them. And we, we talked about emotional eating. I Um, established myself as a recovered emotional eater. And then about 12 hours after I said that, my parents were driving me to the airport so that I could fly back to LA. And then halfway to the airport, my mom got a tornado warning alert on her phone. And um, so I I started to get quite anxious. And if you emotionally eat, you you know, you kind of like get into this zone where you're almost like, you're not even aware and alert. You're in like a, a trance. You're in like a, it's not a food coma. You're, you're just in a trance-like state. And that's why actually for me, like I love to have um, chips and salsa or on the way to the airport when I started feeling anxious I had a bag of blueberries and I just like railed through them I don't even remember eating them but like it's it, it's like when you can do little it's like little pellets for uh, for a rat who did that Freud ah no it's not Freud oh whatever <laughs> why am I why am I trying to talk about Sigmund Freud Hi, you know who this is, right? It's Future Jen, and I'm here to talk to you about rat pellets. Food for rats, not food made of rats. What Jen was talking about was a type of conditioning where rats were put in a box and good behavior was rewarded with, you guessed it, delicious pellets of food. And it wasn't Freud, it was B.F. Skinner. He's a pretty interesting guy if you want to Google or Google him. Glad I could clear that up, Jen. Anyways, there's something satisfying about like, here's a piece, eat it, here's a piece, eat it, here's a piece, eat it. And you just sort of lose yourself. And 
I think like the eating part is different for everyone. Like what, what you eat for me, hot cheese, definitely high on the list. I would say spaghetti with butter and pine nuts is like my go-to and I'll eat like a, I will straight up eat a whole bag of spaghetti. I'm not talking about a little serving. Um, and thinking back and I don't even know if we talked about this. I think I didn't. I think my dad was already feeling very on the spot with some of the stuff I was saying, but I mean, I watched him emotional eat for a long time. Now I didn't recognize it as that because he wasn't like a super outwardly emotional guy, but I would just sit there and watch him sort of like eat nuts or cookies, or he had this like fruit and nut bread that he used to eat. And he would just pick the fruit and nuts out of it and leave all the bread, but, but just like slice after slice. And so I, so it was sort of a learned thing. My mom was always, you know, very conscious of, of food and calories. And so hers was more subtle, but now that I'm older and, and now that I'm also like hyper aware of these sorts of things, I watch them do it. My brother has it too. And like when the four of us are together, it's just like, it's, it's actually like kind of sad is not the right word. It's kind of hard for me to experience because, you know, when you're young, you just know, you just know your, your experience. You really haven't been exposed to other people, other families. You haven't really had those familial relationships yourself outside of your own family. And so you're very insulated. And also when I was young, there was no internet. So I couldn't like fucking Google emotional eating. I just thought this is how people were. And now, you know, as an adult, when you see those like family dynamics in action, it's just like, ugh, I don't know. I'm going to cry. Just like, it's not disheartening, but it's just like, oh my God, we were just like trapped in this cycle. Um, anyways, there are, there are a lot, there are a lot worse things that we could have been doing, but food, food is a drug for a lot of people. It, it is definitely, you know, I say emotional eating, but it's also like self-medicating. And so, I mean, the, the feeling you get when a McDonald's French fry hits those lips, come on. I don't, I've never done cocaine, but really could it be that much better? Because I, I, I'll get lost in that shit for sure. Anyways, you know, so, so I, I definitely grew up with that and, 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 and like so many people found a lot of joy around food. So it, it wasn't that I was always doing it for emotional support, but you know, you, you're sort of, I think you're either the type of person that just like doesn't have that sort of relationship with food or you really rely on food for happiness, for celebration, for, um, connecting with other people, you know? So that's what I did. And then I got married and Andrew was a total emotional eater, just like me. So we, we spent a lot of time on the couch eating. We would go, we would go through containers of strawberries. Um, he would like hollow out the strawberry and fill it with Nutella, and then we would tell ourselves that that was healthy. But we could we could eat so much, and we would definitely both get lost in pasta, McDonald's, hot fudge sundaes, ugh, pizza. Come on. Anyways, so. 
and and really when we decided to get divorced we kind of had this sort of come to Jesus moment and I was like let's just eat and drink whatever we want to because it was sort of this three-week period from the moment we decided he was going to move to Australia till he was going to move and we just both knew it was going to be really hard and and so I was just like I just don't want to add like guilt about eating into it so we we ate our hearts out and it was actually really fun but through that three weeks and then the probably year and a half after that I gained so much weight because I that's literally all I was doing I mean drinking and eating just to self-soothe and I I just like I once the fog had cleared on on the divorce and Andrew had been gone for enough time and I really had all of this headspace to think about only me which was something that I hadn't done in years over a decade because I was very focused on us or on Andrew or obviously on Bando. And now I had all this extra time to like not really think about my marriage or about Andrew's personal and individual happiness or unhappiness. And and I realized like, man, this, I don't like how I feel. I don't like that none of my clothes fit. And I don't like that I'm using food as a, as not only as a drug, but also as a, this strange dichotomy of self-soothing and self-sabotage at the same time. Like as I'm eating, I'm like, Oh, this feels so good. This tastes so good. And then I'm also like, fuck you get fat. You fucking deserve it. (laughs) So nobody wants to be up in my head, but in saying that, I'm sure that resonates with a lot of people because it's like, it's just so laced with guilt, but it's so good that I'm sure that feeling again, for me, food has been my drug, but, um, and alcohol sometimes too, but not to the extreme that food is, but I'm sure any other like addictions or problems you have there, there must be thing there must be similarities with how it feels so good and also so shameful and you're almost like punishing yourself Um, and you know what? I just was like, I don't want to fucking do that anymore. Like I just want to make changes. And so in typical Los Angeles fashion, I found a food therapist and you know, I have 20 something years of experience with talk therapy, but I had never, I didn't even really know there was such a thing. Um, I mean, especially because I really didn't think of myself as someone who had an eating disorder. And I don't know if that would be up for debate if if I, the way I just described using food as some sort of disorder, I mean, it definitely doesn't feel healthy. Um, and so I thought if, if she can help me, that would be awesome. And I will say by the time I went to see her, I, I think it was like mid December of last year. And on December 1st of last year was when I decided I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to start drinking the bulletproof coffee. I'm going to get myself on track. I'm going to exercise. Well, I had been exercising, but like I was just going to commit to wellness because just like everything I wanted to accomplish, including this podcast and work and just everything really depended on me feeling a lot better. So when I, when I saw her, I was not in a crisis, which, you know, is good and bad for therapy. I felt like I was on solid ground. I had, 
I had been sticking to this plan for two weeks, which is a long time, especially during the month of December, which is just, you know, laced with uh, parties and happy hours and cookies and candy and alcohol. And I, I had already, I had already been to like three or four events and like not needing anything but the avocado I brought with me, which is sort of sick, but also I just, I felt like a champion at the time. So... Okay, wait, I'm so excited to share some things I learned that have helped me control my emotional eating habits. I got this insight from my food therapist. Yep, that's right, a food therapist. I found these tips extremely helpful, and I know you will too. If you thought rating your emotions was rewarding, wait until you learn to rate your hunger. It's an amazing tool and a great way to maintain a stable baseline. Also going to talk about getting in touch with the emotions behind the habits, i.e., why am I eating a bowl of pasta the size of a bathtub right now? Etc. Etc. Okay, let's dig in. Why don't I share with you some of the things I learned? Because I actually, in one session, I, I'm not saying that this would. She may not want me to say this, but. I got so much value out of that that I haven't felt the need to go back. Um, and I, I, I'm sure that it depends on like your state of mind. Listen, I have the, people can't be truly helped unless they want help and they want to commit to help. I have so much experience with that with myself and with some of the people closest to me that are very resistant to actual help. So I, I think I was just at a place that was like, give me the fucking homework and I will do it tonight and that'll be that. I'm a very quick, quick, a quick learner. That sounds weird. Do you ever say words and you're like, that's not the fucking word. I just did that. Okay. So a couple things. She talked a lot about hunger levels, which I thought was interesting. She was like, are you able to like use a numeric system to rate your hunger? I was like, honey, I have a whole emotional rating system that I use. I, you want to talk to me about applying numbers to a feeling, emotion, a sense of something in your body? I, I am on board. So basically, she said one of the main keys to emotional eating is, and, and just eating in general, is to not get too hungry that if you get too hungry if your if your hunger level gets to a certain point you there's no way that you won't overeat really like your body can't catch up in time to say like okay stop I'm full and so it just sort of adds insult to injury if you're already just like I'm not even hungry I'm going to eat if you're like hungry and then you're going to add emotional eating to that like that's 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 a bigger problem. And then again, like I said, this is actually just good. I mean, this particular thing is just good advice for just like keeping your blood sugar level, um, which being in an office full of people, like you really see, you see what happens when people don't eat well. Well, now also I should, I should qualify that by saying I'm a total food and health snob now because I feel like I've seen the light. So no judgment except for judgment all the time. So she sort of broke it down in three sections. 
numbers one through three, four through six, and seven through ten. I keep thinking about I had to write this down because I was like, did I get all the numbers in that? But I did. So it's a one to ten system. One being extremely hungry, hangry, like, oh, we've all been there. I have, I have been known to go from like, I'm fine to get me food in like a matter of seconds. It used to make Andrew so mad because I was like, it was like, I didn't see it coming. So this sort of helped me be aware of that. Essentially, you never want to be in between one and three. That's just too hungry. Like you don't want to be in a place where your hunger is making decisions for you or controlling your personality. You just don't want to get there. It's not good for your brain. It's not good for your body. Four to six is essentially where you want to be all the time. You're satiated. You're satisfied. You're not full. You're not hungry. So... Four is the hungriest you want to get, and six is the fullest you want to get. It's a small little area, but I got to tell you, having this has helped me stay in that zone. And then seven to ten is really getting too full. You know, seven is probably like, ugh, I shouldn't have had that last, I don't know, like half a slice of pizza. I should have stopped at two slices instead of three or something like that eight you're you're like not feeling great nine and ten is like you know that feeling when you're just like you can't even believe what you just ate and you just feel so sick and you have to like unbutton your pants and you might even have to take your pants completely off I don't know hopefully you're not at a restaurant but it could happen and and her point was Not only do you want to stay in that four to six zone, but if you dip below it, the odds are like, I mean, she implied that it was a hundred percent, but who am I to say that you will get, you will, you won't stop until you're in the seven to 10. Like you're just the way our bodies are built. If you get that hungry, the, the, your like warning system won't go into effect until you're past the point. So that's just good base level rating your hunger, managing it by assigning a number. If that sort of thinking works for you, this will help you tremendously. It has helped me a lot. I don't, I don't, since I'm always dealing with my emotional rating system, I don't think I'm looking at it every day, but I sort of just like identify for me what the four to six feels like. And I just try and keep myself in that range. The other thing, you know, she said, cause I, what I said to her is like, I'm already aware that I'm doing it and I already know why I'm doing it. Like it's calculated. It's not like I sort of like look up halfway through a bag of chips and I'm like, how did I even get here? It's like, I go into it intentionally. I, I cook the pasta. I strain the pasta. I rinse the pasta. I melt the butter. I probably put a little olive oil on there too. I roast some pine nuts maybe even some parsley chopped over the top. Um, so it's not, it's not like an unconscious thing. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat some fucking pasta and I'm just going to just like bury these feelings and I'm just gonna get lost in there. I just need to, I mean, it's like drinking. It's like, I just need to like put my brain and my body and all of my organs in another zone, not in the zone of like emotional pain. So I was like, I don't feel like I feel more aware than most people. So 
Like, what, what am I supposed to do if I'm going into it willingly? And she was like, you, you are aware, but you have to really stop yourself. Like you have to stop yourself. So even if you start, even if you go through the process of making pasta and you sit down, like you have to find a stopping point really early on to ask yourself, what, why am I doing this? Like not generally to self-soothe or self-sabotage or to inflict pain, physical, mental pain or shame or, 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 or whatever that is, comfort, but like, what, what was it, you know, am I stressed? A lot of times for me, like at work, it's like stress eating, you know, or I'm worried or I'm sad, but like what made me sad that, what was the direct catalyst to this? And then she said, you should journal about it. And I was like, well, what if I'm at a restaurant? She was like, take out your phone and put it in the notes section. Go into the bathroom and just write it down. Whatever you need to do, you need to, you know, it's it's sort of this idea of like being mindful, which I'm doing some research on. I want to talk about that separately because it's this like link between so much of the help that I've been seeking is like just really being so present in the moment to say, why, why am I doing this right now? It doesn't even necessarily mean you can't see it through and eat the whole bowl of pasta, but you have to start getting in touch with what, what is the, what is your motivation and what are your catalysts? So you can try and avoid those things. So so, so that was good. And then, and then finally she, <laughs> I just read this note. I read this note about sex that I wrote. It has nothing to do with this. It's just, I, I, I was writing some notes for this episode and I, I went like three quarters of the way down the page and wrote this note about sex for something else that I wanted to record, which I don't know if I'll ever, I'm going to record it. I don't know if I'll ever get to play it, but and then I started writing notes about the emotional eating and it wrapped around. Do you ever do wraparound notes where you, you, you run out of note space? So you just, I, I literally just like it, it, it surrounded the sex note with these food notes. And so I was just looking to see if God forbid I had stayed on track with what I wanted to talk about. And I see the sex note. ADD, everybody. That's how it happens. God, it would be so cool if I didn't have that. <sighs> Anyways, you know what? I don't even, I think I was wrapping it up, to be honest. Those things all really helped me. Managing my hunger, being aware of my hunger levels. You know, what? Here, here's what I'll say. You know what else I did that really, where I tried to set myself up? This is valuable. This wasn't even from the food therapist. Maybe I'm a food therapist. This is all big deal. I, I took all of that advice, but then I also did a couple other things, which is I always keep things with me. I say always, but you know what always means. Most of the time when I remember, I keep food with me that can, that can easily keep my blood sugar where I want in that four to six range. So for me, that's like the little Trader Joe's has those little um, bags of like serving bags of cashews, which is probably a waste of plastic. So I'm sorry, but, um, Maybe I'll find a way to get the big bag and put it into little glass containers. I know glass is better. Um, anyways, but I always have those in my bag. So 
if I feel myself getting low, I just, I can eat a bag and feel fine. And that keeps me from making mistakes. I only keep pasta in the home if I am fully committed to the idea of eating pasta because anything that is in this house will eventually be eaten. Now, when, when, when Andrew and I were married, it w- it was essentially impossible for me to stay on track because he wasn't always willing. This is not, this is not a slight against Andrew. This is just generally speaking. He wasn't always well, not generally speaking, but you know what I mean. He wasn't always, <laughs> get it out, he wasn't always willing to jump on the diet bandwagon with me. So he had his, own, you know, chips and soda and ice cream and chocolate. And so even though in times of strength I could resist it, most of the time there was always going to be a night where I was just like, give me the donuts or give me the candy. One of the bonuses of being alone is that I can really control what I have access to. And that has helped tremendously. Portion control is huge. So I I was really proud of myself because I, I brought some pasta into the home. I brought the devil into the home. And I made one bag last for four different times. I split it into quarters, which is I usually would eat a full bag of pasta. So... Self-congratulations. I earned it. That was a big deal. But anyways, protect yourself. So, you know, keep yourself out of, don't let yourself be vulnerable. That has helped me so much. Oh, you know what I forgot to tell you about? Support system. That's right above sex. That's why I forgot to tell you because I got on the sex rant. It's so important to have, first of all, I don't really fucking have this. So I, so I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you this, but I haven't gotten there. Asking for help and getting support from other people is not really in my personality. I'm more of a want to help, don't need your help type person. We'll save that for another time. But finding someone that you can call and she actually offered, she was like, you can text me if you're stuck that you can say, I'm. I'm in a crisis right now. I feel like I'm about to go down a road of emotional eating. Like, can you, can you help me? Can you stop me? Can you talk to me for a minute? And I agree. I mean, it makes me sort of sad that I don't really have that, but that's my own doing. But I think that's just a good thing to note. And then getting back to my wrap up, the last thing I will say about my additional advice is give yourself a waiting period. I think that's, you know, just taking pause is important too. So man, I hope that helps. I've been dying to like talk about this. I always tell the girls in the office and the guys too, that like, I always try and impart this knowledge on them. Cause also I think it was like 200 something dollars to go to a food therapist. And I know that that's not in everyone's budget, but I, not to put food therapists out of business, but, um, you know, therapy is costly. And so I love to kind of share this knowledge. And, and I think it's such a common thing, the way people use food and, and then attach a lot of guilt to it. And, and you know what, like, Let's free ourselves from that. Because the other thing is, like, I ate some pizza this weekend. I'm not, like, not doing it. I'm just 
trying to be aware of when I do it and deciding to do it when it's really important to me and when it's just like an impulse and I might be able to make myself feel better by doing something like exercise or watch a show I love or call a friend, I just do that instead. But it, this is by no means like you should you should regiment your life and, and live like this now with your emotional eating. And anytime I've ever done anything that strict, there's always been a horrendous backlash. So, so anyways, I hope that helps. Gosh, this is fun. Okay. Bye. If you've been listening to all the podcast episodes and or following me on Instagram, you know that I tend to use these platforms as a place to expose my own imperfections. Sometimes I wonder how or why I got the strength to be so exposed to, well, lots and lots of people, many of whom are strangers, and I realized it actually serves a dual purpose for me. First, I love to help. So I feel like showing that a successful, seemingly stable person can fail all the time might just be encouraging for others. And second, and this is the one that serves me and only me, I can publicly shame myself for failing, which is mean, but that's the point. I got to get my gen jabs in somewhere. Okay, so you're about to hear some audio from a series of Instagram stories I did about a month ago where I am emotionally eating ice cream, chocolate ice cream, and kind of beating myself up about it because I felt like I had failed and I felt like I was a fraud to try and help others feel better when I couldn't help myself. It's proof you can't have everything under control all the time. It's complicated, and that's okay. All right, let's eat some ice cream. Disappointed in myself. I thought I could hold it together, but I can't hold it together. I'm so mad at myself. And I'm mad at myself for being mad at myself. Also, as I become a mental health advocate please know that I'm in my bed crying and emotionally eating and honestly have no idea if this is stress depression a little bit of both and I'm the one that's telling you what to do cool huh I'm trapped I don't know how to ask for help I only know how to give help. I don't know how to receive it. Awkward. I said I was only going to have two spoons of ice cream, but I'm probably going to go get another spoonful of ice cream. You're never fixed. Dwell on that. You're never fixed. Like, I'm literally giving therapy advice to my friend while I'm sitting in my bed crying. Maybe someone should just come arrest me. Well, my new favorite hobby is recording phone calls with my parents. 
this call was for me to make sure that my dad was cool with me calling him out on some emotional eating. Spoiler alert, he was cool with it as long as he got that Instagram account shout out. Go dad. Hi, Jen. Dog. You nice weren't stuff. sleeping, were you? You yeah. weren't sleeping, were you? Yeah. yeah. I have a quick question. And Good I news. May or may not be, I may or may not be recording this. Oh, okay. And I may not, <laughs> may or not be answering it. Well. <laughs> From a dead sleep. I know. If I wasn't desperate, I wouldn't have done it. But That's okay. Um, I, I'm doing an episode on emotional eating, and I thought that we had all talked about it when I was there, but um, I, I guess we didn't. And in the in the episode, I talk about um, uh, watching you eat that fruit and nut bread that you used to eat. What? Do you remember that? What fruit and nuts? Do you remember that fruit and nut bread you used to get, and you would like oh, yeah. lay the uh, and gerbil bread? Yeah, like, the... yeah, you would just like, the... Yeah, it's emotional to me. But you don't, you don't mind if I talk about that. What do I care? What do I care okay. if I have no patience anymore because of this thing? All right. Thing? Okay. Um, All right. But I, I just eat to relax me down, and also I suffer from perfection. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I want no, a necklace right now. I suffer from <laughs> perfection. Okay. Can I, can well, I go to sleep? You you can. Do you one last question, sir, before you go. You you would definitely say you emotionally eat oh, sometimes. Not as much as I used to when I was in school and whatever stress. I would eat, just put food on my chest and eat all night while I was studying. Absolutely. Yeah, but now if you feel stressed, you don't. You don't. Not go. really as much because I've got like an amazing physique, and I'd like to keep it. <laughs> okay. Doctor Jamie, right, well, fourteen or sixteen. <laughs> Doctor Jamie, fourteen. Okay. That helps a lot. I just wanted to make sure it was okay with you that I said that. Yeah, any, sure you know what? It's all anything. okay with me. Blanket approval? Blanket approval, 15% of all you gross. Perfect. It is pretty gross. Oh, exactly. <laughs> okay. Thanks for waking up and talking to me, Dad. I appreciate it. Okay. Good night. Okay. Some takeaways. Well, let's see. You learn to rate hunger. Consider portion control, implement behaviors to set yourself up for success, ask for help, that's a tough one, and when you find yourself in the throes of an emotional eating episode, take pause to identify the root cause of this behavior. Oh, and most importantly, always cut yourself some slack. No one is perfect, perfection does not exist. Do your best, and when you do less than that, don't add insult to injury by beating yourself up about it. Just do better the next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me in this endeavor. It's helping, right? I hope it is. Oh, okay. I haven't said this in a while. Rate, review, subscribe. Send money. Send pasta. Okay. Bye.
What do you know about the after show? It's the JGOK after show. You don't know about the after show, but it's the show after the show where I'm going to teach you how to open a jar of pickles. That's right. Even though it would be much easier for me to show you on Instagram stories, I'm going to do it here because I remember when I didn't know how to do this. So, just quickly, and this obviously goes for a jar of tomato sauce, a jar of olives, a jar of jelly, really any jar. I just chose pickles because that's the most common jar that I open. Now, there's a few techniques I know of. The first is what I call spank the butt, where you pop, pop, pop the heel of your palm into the butt of the jar. Now the butt of the jar is also what would be known as the underside of the jar if you didn't like to humanize your jars. And then it should just pop right open. Um, it's not, but it will for you, I'm sure of it. I'm opening my silverware drawer because the next, and in my mind most effective way is to take a butter knife. I wouldn't use a sharp knife. I would use a butter knife and wedge it. <laughs> I'm just laughing at how stupid this is. But this is going to, it sounds ridiculous, but you're going to use, this is going to be the most useful thing you ever get from this podcast. You take the knife and you wedge the point of the knife in between, wait, I want to move the mic, in between the lid of the jar and the jar and you pop it. You break the seal. Oh, I was hoping it was going to make a pop. That also did not open the jar. But I think it's because it's 500 degrees in this house. The jars won't open. Pop. Oh, I see it. Popping. I'd have to cut and restart. I don't know. This might be the best podcast you've ever heard. Just hold on. Okay, so as I was saying, you get it. I just want you to be able to hear the pop. Oh my god, I hope you heard that. And then it opens right up. I think I just had a defective jar on this other jar. I secretly got a second jar, and yes, I have three jars of pickles in my house at all times. And then the final one is the old school technique, where you place a large rubber band. I didn't start with this one, because I feel like, who has a large rubber band in your house? No one. Why did we always have large rubber bands in our house? You take a large rubber band, and you wrap it around the periphery of the lid, and that gives you some good grip, too. And then you will also hear the sound of a jar opening. Thank you for joining me on the award-winning JGOK After Show. Enjoy your pickles. That's what she said.